Welcome to the Pursuit of Prosperity podcast. Uh, I'm very excited for today. I'm here with Ryan Harper. He runs a media company that's all about boosting your impact on social media and through other sources of media. And so I'm going to let you talk a lot more about exactly what you do. And um, I'm very excited to have him here today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So I know that you were working with Propelio for a long time. That's actually where I met you, I believe, is at a Propelio yeah. event back in probably 2018, 2019. Um, so take me through kind of your journey and in going into Propelio yeah. and then where, where you've gone since then. So I've been a Cicerial. Is that a word? Cicerial? It is now. Yeah. I've been a serial entrepreneur since early 20s. Uh, I actually dropped out of college in my early 20s to pursue real estate investing. Awesome. Like 2001, 2002-ish. Mm-hmm. Not 2001, 2002, 2003. Um, didn't work out. Flipped back out. Did some other random jobs. Uh, did some sales stuff in, in the Middle East. And then um, in 2012, uh, I started working with Tim Harridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Harridge, yep. but uh, we were also in the Marines together. Really? Early 2000s. So cool. That's, that's, that's really cool. So people know Tim. I'm like, well, I knew him in the Marines, yeah. you know, way back when. Um, so he was like, I need an office manager. I'm like, cool, whatever. I, I did real estate before, but we'll do whatever. And working with Tim, I was the back of the house guy. Uh, I was the sales guy. Turn your phones off, bro. Yeah, come on. Come on, it's the first producer, day, man. Dude. Yeah, first day producer. <laughs> doesn't know how to turn his FaceTime off. Um, but, you know, I did I did the back house stuff. I wasn't the guy in the field. Mm-hmm. And back then, circa 13, you didn't really have these large virtual shops. That no. wasn't a thing. That oh, was no. that came more popular in 2019-ish, yeah. I would say. But back then, it was like you had these small shops where you have a, a dispo guy, an acquisition guy, and the back house and all that. So was doing that with his office. Then we started doing events, did the REI Expo, which then turned into Think Realty, did the DFW Investors events. And the thing about me working with Tim is, you know, even though we were doing like real estate, we were both in the Marines together. So we still had that kind of vibe where mm-hmm. like it was expected that you worked 80, 100 hour weeks. Yeah. You know, you just, you just worked your ass off. Yeah. And we built a pretty cool little mini empire as far as the DFD investors events. Cause when it comes yeah, those to are the best ones in town, well, way Absolutely. back when, yeah. yeah. Cause, cause back in the day, well, hell, even now, if you can get 50 people at a real estate investor event, like a RIA meetup, that's a successful event. Absolutely. So, but when we were doing it, we we're 300 people. I was like, yeah. cool. So I guess this is how you do it. So, um, moving forward, I left Tim to go on to my own and, I've learned very quickly that I'm not really uh, on the street real estate investor guy. I'm not. I hate cat piss. I hate hoarder <laughs> houses. Dealing with sellers is mm-hmm. not a. It's not. I, I'm not. I don't enjoy it. Like and being the guy on the phone that has to do two hours on the phone with the old lady because she has nobody else to talk to. Like I would do the two hours and then go wait. I just wasted two hours of my life. I'm glad she had somebody to talk to, but that does not put money in the account, in my bank account, in the company account, whatever. About 2017, um, I was in. I was working with uh, Grant Kemp and Jason Riney, trying to launch uh, a new uh, wholesaling uh, thing. But everybody was doing multiple projects, so you know how it is when you're yeah. doing multiple. When you do multiple, the nothing. Those no, ones focus. Nothing goes anywhere. Yes. And uh, he was having lunch. Grant Kemp was having lunch with Daniel Moore. I'm giving you the full story. 
Um, Daniel Moore was Propelio, Propelio, right? Yeah. And he was, and Daniel was like stressed out. He needed this. He needed help. And and Grant was like, you know what you need? You need uh, what Tim Harridge had in Ryan Harper. You need like an everything guy. Actually, why don't you just call Ryan Harper? Mm-hmm. So Daniel and I linked up for lunch, and he was like, I I just need help. And and that's always been my forte is is less of a specialist in a thing. It's more of a, a generalist in just getting it done. Yeah. So like my I would say my specialty is 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 being able to go from I have no fucking clue where I'm at, but I have a vague idea of where I want to go, but I have no clue what the path is. Yes. I can go, okay, cool. Well, I'll find a way because I troubleshoot very quickly. Like if you have an error on your computer. I'll figure it out. Just don't ask me how I figured it out. Yeah. Cause I don't, I, that's the problem. I don't write it down. So would you say you're like an operations type of guy, like an ops manager or an, a COO at the time? Yeah. I was more, I was definitely more of an integrator. Yes. Uh, back then mm-hmm. if, to, to traction, you know, words, yeah. you know, affiliate link below mm-hmm. traction. Um, but I was definitely more of an integrator at that time. But now that I own a business and I have like a true operations manager under me, I'm like, how was I ever doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know if it's an age thing or just I have way more stuff on my plate now. Are you working eighty hours a week still? Eighty hundred <laughs> hours? I wish <laughs> more like hundred. I don't know. Yeah. It's like now that I'm my own business. It's, it's so you're still working the same amount and don't know how you did it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. But um, but circling back, you know, went in with Propelio, and it was like, hey, let's build a studio because this organic marketing thing. So we went in and just, we built a studio and we're like, hey, it'd be nice to do Facebook Live. Okay, I'll figure that out. Started with one cam, then turned into two cams. And and it was funny because the first Facebook Live we ever did, we didn't know what we were doing. And there was such a lag on the feed that we just started talking afterwards because we thought we were done. And Miranda, Daniel's wife, was like, y'all are still live. <laughs> and we were obviously, you know... <laughs> We were talking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know the stuff you're not supposed to be public about, like mm-hmm. when you start name dropping people about, you know, so and so did something and so and so was going broke or so and so's bankrupt or <laughs> you're like, ah, let's not do that. Um, but you know, fast forward, learned learned all the stuff that Kevin's doing over there as producing and and uh, what I learned in that process is like I really enjoy the media side of it way more than the real estate. I still think real estate is way more money or potential money. At least it was prior to the pandemic. I see a lot of people going bankrupt that are still peacocking online, but none of my business. Yeah. It's very, Um, it's, it's definitely become a more difficult game since I started. uh, Yeah. But, but fast forward, it's just, I see myself now as, as being more of an entrepreneur than anything. And like, cause I can turn on the camera, I can make it focus and I, I could set up a podcast and I can edit a podcast and I could do all that stuff, but I don't have the talents that like Kevin has, like with the lighting mm-hmm. or, or like the angles. But mm-hmm. I, but I also not to, you know, talk about Kevin, but like, I also have the thing that Kevin doesn't have, which is maybe going, Hey, that's really cool. But that doesn't matter right now. You mm-hmm. know, where I could separate the art from the business side of it. Yeah. So anyway, that's so, a long winded way of saying I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I think, you know, a few things. Um, I, I mean, I saw Propelio go from nothing to it's very well known nationwide. Yeah. And you were very much involved in that whole build up process. So. Yeah, it's it's actually interesting um, about that because people go back to that so much because it was 
we called it the Propelio effect because if you look at a lot of the the real estate influencers nowadays, they all had somewhat of a start in at, at Propelio. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, obviously, but like uh, R.J. Bates, yeah, Propelio. If you ask him why is he on video, he'll say Ryan Harper because at the time he was only doing audio podcasts mm-hmm. and he was scared of the camera. And I nudged him to be in the camera. Um, Pace Morby, I didn't. I'm not taking any credit there. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is one of his. We were actually working on doing a pilot program with him, like a Phoenix show on Propelio, and we did a pilot version of it. But at the time, he was still working. I don't work for any of these guys, so I can say whatever. But at the time, he was still working for Homevestors. Yeah. So um, I won't say her name because she's a lawyer. But the <laughs> lawyer at Homevestors squashed it. And But think how – so Pace Morby, everybody knows Pace Morby now yeah. on TV. And just – I mean, he held just did that thing with uh, Tony Robbins like a week ago. Yeah. Hit One of his first major things would have been on Propelio. Yeah. Like he did a couple of interviews on Propelio. So you have a lot of these players that, and again, I don't want to say they owe anything. It's not that, but they, there was influence there. And totally. ever since then, everybody wants to be Propelio. Everybody wants that. And, um, I mean, I would love to, because right now the Propelio YouTube has just been sitting there for a couple of years. Just, so what happened to Propelio? So, um, is it still well, active? Because I haven't heard software, much about it. The software is still, still active. Yeah. yeah. And I, at the end of the day, it's all perspective. Like, like me, I was in the the marketing side. I was in the events. I was in the uh, the the media side, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's a software company. So from my perspective, hey, we're building this Goliath of a cultural movement or whatever you want to call it that people love. But at the end of the day, it's still a business. So if your software over here, if their sales aren't being reflected from what you're doing over here then is the thing over here, is it worth anything? And a business decision was made to like, hey, let's just cut all that out and focus on the software. Now, looking back, hindsight, in my opinion, that's a that was a massive mistake because you basically at that point have basically free marketing. You know, you have yeah. all the, especially if the studio pays for itself. So it's all about perspective. Um but at the end of the day, as a business, you have to do what you think as the business innovator. Uh, um, what is it? Innovator? Innovator, is yeah. The visionary. Vision- oh, yeah, the, yeah. Visionary. The, vis- the visionary is you have to drive the ship. And at, at the end of the day, you do what they did. But I think the biggest thing was it's a software company that nobody knows does software. So from my perspective, there was a massive disconnect. Like instead of cutting this out, hey, let's work on that link. Yeah. And let's work on that funnel. And that's a lot of like what media is nowadays, which is fine. You get a hundred million views on a thing. Does it drive anything? Does it drive business? Did it get you a deal? Did mm-hmm. it get you a sponsorship? Yeah. Or did it just get you press? So it's interesting. So I feel like there's, there's a large group of people who do media for different reasons. So, yes. And like, I know the kind of sexy shiny object syndrome right now or syndrome, sexy object thing is like, hey, if I can get enough views, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, they'll pay me. And that's what a lot of people go for. Is that what you see or am I? Um, so I have different at- viewpoints on all of it. Like even in my business, like even in the like, hey, Ryan Harper, social media, 
it makes me cringe a little bit because like I'm trying to get away from social media because in my opinion, social media, there's a race to the bottom with people trying to facilitate social media services. In my opinion, you have a bunch of high school, college people that want to be influencers because they see Mr. Beast, they see all these people online and that Olivia Dunn, they want to be that. So they're pursuing that. And in, in, the, in the pursuit of that, they're like, oh, Lance, uh, that service that you spend $10,000 on, I'll do it for $500. Mm-hmm. As a business guy, you're going to be like, okay, if quality drops off 20%, but I'm also reducing my expense by $9,500, i will take that. Yeah. So for me in my company, I'm actually trying to get away from social media and, and focus on higher higher value branding and like uh, like more impactful videos in the strategy behind those videos itself. Um, and so I totally forgot the, your question. Coming up with the content you're creating, like that that's your strategy is coming up with the, you're telling the person of influence, here's what I want you to create that's going to create traction so for you. So you come to me and you're like, I want a video. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, we can make that video, I'm saying why. Why do you want that video? Okay, let's 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 go through this together. Okay. So I have a lot of motivators for doing this podcast. Yeah. And so one of my one of my motivators, there there's three if I look at it, three reasons I do this podcast. First reason is education. Like I don't feel like people should be stuck in these nine to five jobs if they don't want to be. Some people love a nine to five. I mean, everyone's different, but having the education of knowing how to pursue real estate investing, I want to offer that. So that's part of it. Another reason is there, so there's the real estate investing education aspect. The other is general prosperity education aspect, like how wealthy is the dying billionaire? You know, it's, they have wealth, but true wealth is in, is in your health. It's in your relationships. It's in um, your reasons. So I, I want to help people see there's more to life than just money. Earning it and getting it and acquiring it isn't as hard as people make it out to be. You're, they're usually the biggest blocker to getting there. The last reason is that when the day comes where I'm coming into apartment complexes or large assets that I want to buy, I want to be able to offer people a way to invest with me. And so I want to build that trust. So those are the three reasons that I'm doing this podcast. I'm not expecting any monetary, anything from any social media that I'm doing until I come to offer people the opportunity to invest. And, and, and I would hit you back with one and two is ego and three is the only business viable thing. Three is the business viable thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, cause like what two, you're talking about legacy and that's ego mm-hmm. one education. I think you could tie that back to ego For because sure. you want to be seen as the educator versus educated. And there's nothing wrong with it. I have a client that we've been doing podcasts for two years that the, he does it for the relationships that he could build and maybe yeah. the business he could build with the person he's talking to. But mainly it's the only time all week that he could put his phone down for two hours mm-hmm. and just have a conversation. Yep. Like right now, my phone's over there, your phone's over there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, just Hey, let's have a relationship. Yep. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. That's something I really enjoy from it, by the way. Right. <laughs> but you don't get that in everyday life. No. So that's another motivation. Now, is that ego? No, I think that's just, hey, uh, self-help. Mm-hmm. Self-help? Self-help. It doesn't Self-help. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But but going back to the third one, like I would say it's it's 
the syndication aspect of it, you're 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 missing out on the googleability of it. Like who's Langs Wakefield? Google. Oh, let me let me. Oh, he's all these videos. Oh, he does videos. He's obviously a real person. Yeah. You know, it goes back to what I said before before we started. Like rule number one is everybody you meet's full of shit. Mm-hmm. Now video breaks through that. You know, so if, if, if you're on video and I Google you and I'm like, oh, look at all. Oh, look at his, his Instagram. Oh, he's got 500 followers, whatever. But he's got all these videos. Oh, he's a good looking dude. He, he says the same thing. I, I said that. I yeah. trust him. And I've never met you. I don't know anything about mm-hmm. you, but I've seen a couple of videos that said the same thing I was thinking. Now I trust you. Yep. So that's a huge aspect, especially for syndications. Mm-hmm. Now, from a podcast standpoint, that's huge. Now... When, when to go a, f- a level further, it's like, okay, to answer the original question, which would be, okay, but you want, say you have a project that you need to raise $100 million on. Mm-hmm. Now, will a podcast help you raise that? If you have a, a like an all in entrepreneur uh, podcast, yeah. probably. Probably. If you had that avatar, you had that audience. But you're not able to put advertising dollars behind this podcast to get that $100 million capital raise. No. Here's where I would say is like, look, let's work on a one singular video that educates about what you're trying to do, educates what who you are, and and basically let's make a video specifically for that capital raise. Now, once you have that video, you could throw fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars worth of advertising behind it, and that's going to be a value add to that capital raise. Mm-hmm. Now that video. It may cost you twenty to fifty thousand dollars to make a thirty second, a minute, two minute spot. In our world, that sounds insane. But like in the in the media world, like here here's what I say. It's not crazy in the media world. Well, this is what I say all the time because people, especially real estate, they don't. Real estate guys will spend twenty thousand dollars on that antique front door. Mm-hmm. Spending a couple grand on a video, they're like, yeah, what? No. In this world that we're in, podcasts, video production, commercial, movies, the choice is, do you get your high school nephew that'll do it for free, with kind of knows how to use a camera, maybe uses an iPhone, or you have the, the Marvel movie that's a, over a million dollars per minute of footage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same industry. The only difference is this guy has no clue what he's doing, and it's one guy. And over here, you have over 500 professionals behind the camera making it work. Yeah. As well as professionals in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's the same thing. You have people moving in front of a camera. Yeah. It's interesting. You can, and I think there's a lot of value. I mean, it, let's just say that your idea worked. You spend 50000 you make a 30 second blip, spend another 100000 pushing it, but you raise, you don't even hit your $100 million. Say you raise 25 or $30 million worth it <laughs> and, that, and that's and that's, that's the point it. i'm trying to get to mm-hmm. is when you're doing like what do you pay um what do you call them you can ask me kevin's salary over here no 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 i'm just no, messing i'm not you. gonna ask that no I, I, no i'm gonna ask a question that he's gonna go i'm in the wrong business if i brought you 100 million what's my cut is it 10 percent? is it 20 percent? yeah i mean that's a good question i've never thought about that before if someone could bring 100 million to invest so the reason that I'm doing this right now is I can't effectively deploy 100 million right now. We're effectively spending, I'll probably effectively deploy 25 million this year. 
Mm. I don't need to raise money to do that. I could do that on my own right now. Right. So I want to get the, I'm trying to, while I'm building the experience portfolio where I can show here's the 30 apartment complexes I've flipped um, and here's how they've performed, here's how they're doing. I'm simultaneously building the audience who can come to invest with me when the time comes where I'm ready to deploy, you know, a hundred or 200 million in a year. But I'm just talking about in hypotheticals. Yes, I understand. So like, cause like typically in, and again, I don't know what typical is. Everything's negotiable, but like, what would you give somebody if they bring you like, if I'm, if you're like, Hey Ryan, I know, you know, people with money, I'll pay you X referral fee to bring me X amount of dollars. Yeah. It would really, to answer that, I'd have to know where I'm putting it into a, if I'm putting it into investments I'm currently making, what's the return on that and how much can I offer and right. still give the investors their return? It's, it would be a, it, but it's probably several points on it. You know, say it's five points. I mean, it's $5 million. It's $5 million. Yeah. Now, what if you didn't have to spend 5 million and instead just spend a quarter million? Yeah. That's a great point. Th- that's, yeah. that's, that's the, ultimately the, the point I'm trying to get to is if you go to a true creative and you're like, Hey, I want to make a video. They're gonna be like, great. Let's make this great video. Mm-hmm. If you go to an entrepreneur, why? Yeah. What's the goal? Because you may, the thing you want is may, maybe not the thing you need. You know, like if I live in, in uh, um, Ukraine and I want a Lamborghini, I could probably buy a Lamborghini. But what I really need is an armored vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's a stupid analogy. But no, I hear you. Yeah. So you, what you're going to do is I would come to you and I would say, here's the goal and here's how I think I want to get there. And you're going to say, while the Lamborghini might get you there, here's what I'm going to show you is this armored car that's going to for sure get you there. Ultimately, yeah. or not for sure. Not, yeah, not for sure, but <laughs> no it's a safer bet of getting there. That's one thing I learned in the oil and gas world. There's no guarantees, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, yeah, ultimately it's that. It's like, what do, what is your end goal and what is your budget? Because, and that's the ultimately the thing is like, if if you're like, Ryan, I want to work with you. I have a thousand dollars budget. I'm like, cool. Well, let's jump on a, f- a couple calls. What am I getting? You're getting a couple calls, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Okay, I have I have five k, I have ten k. Okay, cool. Let's figure this out. Let's figure yeah. out where that where we could deploy those five k. Where could we put uh, the ten k? Basically, let's figure out how we can work together. And I'm being absurd. If somebody wants has a thousand dollars and they want to work with me, we'll figure something out. So if you so right now your your focus is finding those people who know where they or have an idea of where they want to go, and you're helping them get there through media. Yeah. I'll give a, a, a great example that's it's kind of a new product that we're doing. So, and I've been doing it for uh, naturally for the past couple of years. I just haven't mentally placed what I'm actually doing. And now I have it. So we were in Memphis um, a month ago for Freedom Fest, which is a, a libertarian event. And it's the same thing I was talking about with RFK. Yeah. And <clears throat> at this event, the company that hired us to go there, I proposed them. It's like, look, you are a diamond sponsor, which is you're the highest level sponsor. You know, you could have a couple banners and you have your guys out there, but ultimately you're like every other booth there. You have no draw and you're fully reliant on your guys. there talking to, to random people. The ROI on that right now is incredibly dependent on the success of the event, but also the success of your guys talking to people because they're, they're raising capital. What I proposed was if you do an on-site podcast setup, immediately you're going to be able to have higher level conversations because you're going to be able to go to speakers and be like, hey, 
would you like to do a podcast or an interview? You know, they may say no, but they may say yes. And automatically you're going to be able to have higher level conversations that you wouldn't normally have because there's no reason to bring in a presidential candidate to come sit at your table at your desk. They're not coming by there. But if you have an interview, yeah, they'll swing by there. So I proposed that. And, but then I also said, but in addition to that, you have a couple of couches and a little lounge area. So imagine coming to a booth and, oh, somebody's already interviewed. Well, let's have a conversation. Let's, let's just sit down and wait for them. Now you're able to have that one-on-one meeting that you normally wouldn't have had because they're waiting to do an interview. And now not only do you have the interview with the per- high-level person you want to have, but now you have content that you can use. So regardless, if you do any sales or if you do any business at the event itself, you've been able to increase your ROI because now you're having interviews and meetings with people that you would never get an opportunity of. So case in point, this last event I'm talking about, we got to interview Steve Forbes. When are you ever going to have an opportunity to interview Steve Forbes? That's really smart. So you have the podcast studio set up at a booth at an event. Imagine this was here. Yeah. In this, but then right there would be couches that mm-hmm. you can have like a little coffee lounge. Yeah. So you have your coffee lounge mm-hmm. and, and then you're having your high level conversations while people are over here doing an interview. The thing, the reality about that whole scenario, say there's no SD cards, there's no, there's no, and you're not even recording anything. The value is still there because you're able to have one-on-one conversations with people that you normally would never had. I would also argue that having this set up at an event would draw a crowd. That's the next thing I was going to point out (laughs) is all of a sudden you're like, what are all these lights? Why, why is Steve Forbes there? Why do you have all these? Mm -hmm. Like, I just saw that speaker over there, over there. Why? How? Yeah. He was on that. He was in front of the room of a thousand people. And now he's at this booth. Why? Who are you guys? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's another aspect of it. So, so much easier to drive sales and pay for that booth when people are coming over to inquire versus you're trying to drag people in. But not only that, it's like if you could go to an event, sponsor it, and yes, you're trying to drive sales, you're trying to drive interest, but people that you would normally want to do a podcast with are there and you can knock out 20 of them in a two day period and you have all that content. But not only that, now you have a relationship with that person, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it's stupid. Like the, the contact, like one of the guys I met, uh, uh, you know, Matt Taibbi. Yeah. The Twitter files guy. Uh-huh. You met with him. I have his cell phone. That's really cool. Random. You know, I mean, I saw like I could do anything with that, but it's just like, it's cool. Uh, met this woman, uh, Gloria Alvarez, who's a presidential candidate for Guatemala. That's really cool. So like just random people that you normally, and again, is does cool pay bills sometimes, but you know, but that type of setup and that type of arrangement, like in dramatically increased the ROI for the client. Yeah. Now, did they tell me this, what they wanted, or is that circling all the way back? That's me going, you're going to go to an event. Your ROI is going to be horrible. Why don't you try this? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. Uh, it's like I'm trying, to, I'm, podcasts, uh, call me I'm, I'm trying to figure out like where can I do this at now? Like what events am I going to be at in the near future where I can bring Kevin along and we can set up the whole setup 
and we can do our interviews at that event. I'm gonna find one. Um, entrepreneur type events, um, like a lot of the real estate entrepreneur type guys. I would go. I would be less concerned about the the who the events for and look at the speaker panel mm-hmm. because most of the events in our world. They all want to be jump on interviews. They all want that. Yeah. So, if, but the thing is, is timing. Yeah. So if you can be like, "Hey, I got this. We do it right now." They're like, "Yeah, let's do that." What? Uh, so I wanted to ask you about this. I was going to ask you off camera, but since we're kind of going down this, what are the events that? What are the good events going on right now in DFW for real estate investors? I honestly don't know. Me neither. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm asking. I actually, uh, one of my clients wanted to do an event, uh, Corey Thompson, Roughneck Real Estate. And I actually just went live with a network event uh, last night, and it's on 822 on the 22nd. And we're going to try to do that monthly. Uh, previously, the like I, I started, well, let me rephrase this. I helped start DFW Investors, which averaged about 300 people. I started the Propelio event, which we got six to 800 people um, with uh, Daniel and Propelio. I started with Dan Van Ruff and the event, and we would get 800 to 1,200 people at that event. And then I started the RE meetup with uh, TJ Coes and the Sicilian Brothers, and we get three to 500 at that event. Um, th- right now, I've never seen anybody compete at that scale the last 10 years. Um, that's just you know, but confirmation bias just because I don't know. Um, as far as a meetup size, has you know, I mean, are any meetups of that size still happening in this city? Not this, currently. Nothing, but, right? But I don't know, mate. We'll I'll, I'll let you know. Because Roddy weeks. Roundup's dead too. Like, well, Roddy Roundup that that didn't die. It merged with, with DFW Investors. Yeah, DFW Investors. That was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, or fifteen. Then. Yeah, I remember. Uh, there was, I think, I think I was at the first thing. Roddy it, Roundup is aging both yeah. of us. Where's, where, where was the first Propelio event? Was it in downtown Grapevine? It's at the Palace Theater in Grapevine. Yeah, it's, I was it, there. That, all of them were there. Yeah, I remember. Um, that's back when I was really good friends with Austin Good, and yeah, um, that's one of the play. That was one of the first few times I met Jawad and yeah. kind of the that crew. Yeah, R.J. Bates was there. Jamie Woolley. There was yeah, a everybody of, was there. Like all the all the the people yeah. would come to those events and uh but like it was like a and that i think that's what people really liked about the propelio days was it was a true community mm-hmm. you know and and actually and and i don't know if this will go anywhere but i've i put feelers out uh to daniel um i went through will crozier uh because i don't i don't have a relationship with daniel anymore um just because he's kind of uh introverted in the to to begin with but I would love to take over the Propelio YouTube channel again. Like, mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool. I think people would really gravitate to it. I think they'd be like, holy crap, Propelio's back. Um, I just don't know how to propose that with, because at the same time, if like, if we're going to be creating event or creating content for you for free, like I want the channel, Yeah, you know? So it's just a matter of figuring all that out. But, uh, uh, I bet this is the first public. I mean, I haven't asked anybody yet. You know, I'm still like in the hey, let me let me put a feeler out there and see what happens. We, we should talk after the show because we're we're looking at putting together uh, an event, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to do some sort of monthly event. It was more for us to um, build relationships with more buyers than anything. But um, I mean, I feel like the market here needs that DFW investors event, whatever that yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about events. We could do like a quick masterclass on real estate events. The problem about real estate events is the guys that want to do them 
typically talk to me first and they're like, oh, well, we want that. But then they don't realize that you have to then hire and pay for that. So like, what does that cost? Like, what does that look it, like? It depends. Is like, so for me, the Propelio event, that event would, we would spend about twelve dollars to $15,000 to put that event on. And that's open bar. That's a free event. That's Chick-fil-A. That's media. That's all that. And if you had the sponsors that would gravitate to it, it would probably bring fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. But if you were really killing it, it could bring twenty to thirty thousand, depending on what you charge. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it takes a while to get to that scale. Yeah, and that also doesn't fa- that twelve thousand to fifteen thousand dollar cost doesn't factor in labor. Yeah. So, like, while I could put on an event and make money and break even. That's not true because I'm not considering my labor or my team's labor. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally just did an event uh, uh, last week at the Cowboys Club in Frisco where the cost of the event was $5,500 and the money brought in was $6,800. Oh, cool. You made $1,300. No, we didn't because I didn't factor in that I had like the 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 planning that went into it, the labor that went into it, the media personnel that went into it. So if anything, it was a loss, but you know, as a, if you have full, if you're contractors, that's a loss, but if they're on staff, it's a sunk cost. You move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Now back to the real estate side is it really just depends on what your budget is. Like, so we were doing events at the drawing board, which is where I have an office right now. You could do a pretty successful free uh, meet up there for twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars. So then you have to factor: Do I want to sell tickets? Do I want to have sponsors? And then, but again, that twenty five hundred three thousand doesn't factor in the management of putting that on. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it, it, I would say you could have a really successful event for five grand. Interesting. And it's just a matter of going. But what do you get out of that? Yeah. You know, for five grand, are you getting, are you getting buyers? Are you getting sellers? Are you getting deals? Yeah. I don't really want to put the event on if I'm being honest. It's like, I just want to go to the event and participate, Right. but no one's putting it on. And it's kind of been like, yeah, guys, COVID has been over for a couple of years and no one's really stepped up to the plate here to be like, I'm going to do it. And well, this thing is like, um, I think, cause I've, people always ask me to do events. And it's like, they never want to pay for it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't, cause it, cause as much as I love the real estate world and I do the media, real estate guys are cheap. Totally. You know, they don't want to pay for the, like, like not you, even you, but it's like you see the value of media. You hire a media guy. You're not hiring a firm. You have a guy who's part-time, full-time on mm-hmm. staff at your company. Mm-hmm. So that's because that's your entrepreneur. That's your like, oh, I, I know the value there, so I want to keep it in-house. Uh, 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 Casey Smith deals with this in the transaction coordinating side is a, a, a shop gets big enough that they know they need a transaction coordinator, but they're like, I'd rather just have it in, in house, you know? So it's the same thing with media, same thing with events. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think with the, with roughneck, with Corey, we're, we're working on a monthly thing again. I don't know if it'll be a, a three to 800 type event. Or if it'll be, um, you know, 50 to 100 person event. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, we'll sit and wait and see. I think, but, the, 
the guy who could put on an event pretty easily is Jawad because he's just got the reach through the Facebook groups to to do it if he wanted to, but he doesn't seem super interested. Uh, I, yes and no, because uh, he did do that before uh, at Tower Club. Oh, and did. yeah, I know he did. The, here's the thing about events is, and this is not about Jawad, it's just in general. Events are war. Like in my opinion, it's war. So you have you have a battle between attendees, sponsors, and speakers, and you have to holistically keep all of those in balance. If I give too much attention to sponsors, attendees are not going to want to come. If I give too much attention to speakers, sponsors are going to feel left out. If I give too much attention to sponsors, you know, say all those. Yeah, makes sense. So you have to have that balance. Um, and I think a lot of people that have brands like. Um, anybody that has a following online, they get complacent with, oh, if I just put it out there, people will show up. That's not what happens. Sometimes it does. Like if you're this Twitch streamer up in New York and you're doing a giveaway and you cause riots in New York. Yeah. Obviously there's, 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 uh, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a balance to what I'm saying, but in our world in real estate, if you're just a, like a local celebrity, you have to continually hit people with emails, with phone calls, with text messages, with Facebook, with Instagram, with promotion, saying, hey, we have this event. Hey, we have this event. Hey, we have this event. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, you'll have a successful event. But I think too many people... It's a lot of work. It, it's work. And what's the ROI? I was at an event on Monday in, in, in Austin for a crypto event. And the the organizer, I was asking her how she markets. She's like, oh, I put it on Eventbrite and meetup.org. I'm like, do you send emails? Oh, well, it, it sends a notification. I'm like, that's not, and it had like, it had 30 people, which is fine, I guess. But like, yeah, it only had 30 because you didn't like hit them. You have to continually, you can't take it, you can't take for granted any singular attendee. Every attendee is work. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it when it comes to events. So shifting gears from events to general media, when you see someone who wants to build their influence through mm -hmm. media, what's like the number one thing you think that they should be doing or have? Well, one is actually doing it because a lot of people content. Yeah. Okay. Cause a lot of people want to do it and then they don't do it. Like even, I mean, even me, like, I am not the best at creating content. Like I have a team that will create content for me, but even them, they will focus on our clients more than they focus on me. And that's just uh, an internal uh, struggle that you have. Mm -hmm. Like I am horrible about picking up a phone and doing a story. The first thing I should have done when I got here was did a quick pan of your studio and your setup and Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. But I, but I value the relationship <laughs> So I need, I need a KP on my side to do mm -hmm. that for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what it is, is you just actually have to do it. So one is actually doing the content. Then it's the engagement. But it's just being, being authentic. I think people go out there and put a front on, and it goes back to everybody's full shit. It's just like, just be authentic. You're like, because if I go out there and I'm like, and I say one, two, three, ABC, I have a history, I have a brand, I have a trust that, yeah, one, two, three, ABC, that's, he, Ryan's, yeah. But if I go out there and say, you know, the sky has fallen, you know, or if I'm, and I'm in a shithead, people aren't going to believe that. So I think authenticity is huge. Actually doing the content is huge. Um, as far as the, what type of content, 
it just depends on what you're trying to do. What are you, what are you trying to sell? Like you could do daily story. You have a large team here. Like there's like, I, I don't know if y'all, I haven't, I haven't checked your company uh, social, but like I would easy idea, free, free of charge. I would have a company phone and each employee, I would say, Hey, today's your day to do stories. I went 10 stories throughout the day. And then like, that's part of the thing is like, Hey, this is Ryan's day. This is my day. And this is, and then one, you're not paying a content guy that's doing it in house and it's a variety. Now, is that the best quant content? No, you got people that should be doing sales, doing content, but one, it kind of grows team growth. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that gets your team involved with the content itself. Cause you've got how many people you have out here? 16, 18, something like that. Yeah. 16, 20 people, like 20 people engaging with your content is, is, is good. That's a good start. Yeah. Now, if you get them on board doing that, then they're sharing it. Then that, then that's building their personal brands, which only helps you because if part of their brand is to buy and sell houses, you want them in the community so you want to build them up. The, the problem that I see that has killed so many brands, so many people is ego. Like if me and you are working together to, to lift each other up in our brands and say you start, your, brand, your light is brighter than mine and I get jealous, but I'm still like, it's the, like economics. If we're doing this, what, what do I care that I'm here? Yeah. But people do so what they'll do is they'll sabotage because they want this gone but then they fall down yeah i've seen that before i've <sighs> yeah um so when you see guys out there like you mentioned pays morby earlier mm-hmm. from your perspective how did he go from that first interview on propelio to where he's at now like what what would made him so successful at this so with pace i don't want it to say it was that first interview because even at that first interview he is a machine yeah he was he was doing like 50 stories a day on instagram even before that interview so when i first met i was like holy hell how are you doing this like how are you able to post so much and work and have a life and have a family and do deals he is an absolute beast of machine. I yeah. think he gets like three hours of sleep a night if he sleeps at all. Mm-hmm. I also maybe he's a Cylon from like Battlestar Galactica. I just nerd myself out. <laughs> but he, but he, he is a machine and he works his ass off. Also, right now he spends about a hundred thousand dollars a month on his content. That'll help. Yeah. So in I, addition to the TV show stuff. Yeah. So he. So what I'm asking though is like. I understand that first interview. Well, why don't we pick someone else who's a little bit like Pace? I've met him before, and I'm like, this guy is like a one in five hundred million dude. There's some of them around. He's a good looking guy. He's got a lot of them. He comes off genuine. He's very you know likable. He's just a likable dude, and he's knowledgeable. And in in yeah, it's you're right. One in five hundred million. What, what what like who, who's another person you've seen do a really good job on the rise that you feel like you can speak to well? Who's gone from not a lot of content to doing the media thing well? That I think I think the obvious obvious one is Max Maxwell. Okay, you know just because like, but it, then you would ask people like, could is that replicatable? Again, you've got a good looking dude who 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 can speak well. And and can and when I say speak well, I mean like uh, uh, speak to what he's doing and like 
share along the ride of what he's up to. Mm-hmm. So what he would do was document the journey. And that was one of the frustrating things that like what we had at Propelio was we would do like these talk show interview type things where the amount of content and actionable items that people could apply to their business was leaps and bounds than anybody else on the internet, but the delivery mechanism wasn't necessarily uh, consumable versus like Max Maxwell vlog where it's document the journey. Maybe there's one or two uh, actionable items, but it's entertainment. Yeah. So the entertainment factor was thousand times better than Propelio. Mm-hmm. But I would argue the educational over here was in Propelio was a thousand times better than over here. That that's not to disparage what he was no, doing. Because obviously he's amazingly successful. Yeah. But it's that consistency of doing it. Now and and I know people are like consistency, but that's it. The the YouTube content is a game that rewards the the savages that'll stick to it mm-hmm. you know it's like that stupid um graphic where the guys are mining for diamonds and the guy gives up and the other guy's just like one swipe away and he hits the diamond yeah it's that yeah you know and and but it's also luck you know not everybody is meant to be an influencer but like if you're able to like this this program here if we get eight views and two people reach out and say hey i really like that interview with ryan harper is that worth it to you? Or you're like, damn it, I really thought Ryan was going to bring 10,000 views. To me, having people engage with me that I normally wouldn't have engagement is huge. Yes. Um, because I come from the real estate world and because I come from event world, I look at analytics differently. So when I look at, like, we'll take YouTube, for instance, and I pull up analytics and I see, let's say, 1,000 hours of watch time. In the YouTube world, 1,000 hours is nothing. But if I were to do a meetup and how many meetups would I have to invest in to get 50, to get a thousand hours of people consuming me? So a lot. So that's how I look at it. Now, is that the right way to look at it? I don't know. But if, but so a thousand hours, that's a thousand people. That's a, that's a one meetup for a thousand people for one hour presentation or that's two 500s, or that's 10 100s, mm-hmm. and how much time did it take to get to that? So if you're doing once a week or, or twice a week or whatever your, your content schedule is, and you're able to balance that, and, and again, that's the filter I go through because of the real estate world, but again, how much effort, how much money would it cost to do sponsor meetups to get in front of 100 people or 1,000 people for 1,000 hours? That's the way I look at it. I love that. I think it's a great way to look at things because it, even if you get a thousand people at an event and you have an event with a thousand people, you're going to have a sponsor space that's separate from a presenting space. So even if a thousand people are at the event, which is hard to do, like you said earlier, the chances of all 1000 listening to your one hour presentation, pretty much zero. Right. Right. If it, once you're on here, it's it's very easy. Someone's driving somewhere. They got an hour drive. They put on an hour long podcast. They're gonna listen to every word because they're driving for an hour. And and again, before the comment section, yes, mm. a thousand hours doesn't mean a thousand hours of constant consumption. That could be a million people listening to a fifteen thousand or a fifteen second short. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. A thousand hours, a thousand hours, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. 
So like the way, again, you were able to get a thousand hours of attention because that's ultimately what you're trying to do is attention. You're trying to get people's attention. Yep. You know, I think I'm going to say attention one more time because I just said it like four times. Around. I heard that I've heard people starting to say that attention is becoming like the new currency. The amount of tension you can. I said that like three in. years ago. Yeah. You're just ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, I literally put that in a presentation like I think four years ago, which is, uh, uh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cur- uh, attention is the, your currency of today or whatever. So uh, I would definitely agree with what you said earlier about education value and entertainment value. Yeah. So one thing that I did uh, back in, I think, 2020, yeah, in 2020, is um, one of the guys here was like, dude, you should make some TikToks. And I was like, okay. So we made some stupid TikToks. And the ones where I'm like, look how rich I am and it's entertaining hundreds of thousands of views the ones where i'm like here's how i got here and here's tactically what you do thousand views it's very interesting you know it's like it, it, you can give them the keys and they'll throw them away but you show them the party and they can't attend but they'll love watching it i will <laughs> double down on that statement if you go to youtube and type in propelio academy there is a full-on YouTube channel that we built to go with the website because we we're building out a free academy that has so many educational programs that you could go buy for thousands of dollars or just watch here for free. Yeah. But people, whether it be the SEC, SEC the SEO or algorithm or, or searchability or whatever – it's not being watched yeah, because it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's just straight up education, but it's free Mm -hmm. or you can do the same thing over here and pay for it. And again, maybe that just shows uh, the problem about humanity and people, how stupid we are. And we don't value the things that we can get for free. Yeah. We only value. So same thing with events. Like the way I look at events is like, if I do a free event and I have 1500 people register, in my mind, I'm lucky if I get 600 people there because people are not going to show up. Mm-hmm. But if they pay for it, they're going to have to show up. They'll probably show up. Way more um, likely, for sure. Way yeah, more you'll probably get a 90 to 95% uh, show up rate then. Um, but yeah, the, ed- the education versus entertaining, there has to be a breakthrough. There has to be, because right now, you have this really short attention span. A couple of years ago, you're like, oh, you got to hook them in the first three seconds. A couple of years before that, you got to hook them in the first 10 seconds. Before that, you got to hook them in the first couple of minutes. Now, if you're not hooking in the first half second, they're already swiping. Mm-hmm. So you have to start with something that's just crazy or stupid or, or you look good or whatever. Some flash. Some you form have of to flash. have a flash. Yeah. Or it has to be incredibly niched. That people are like, I want that, you know, like there's no reason I consume content on YouTube about a guy, um, I forgot what it's called, but shearing the hoofs, like, uh, Oh, the horseshoe thing. I don't know what it's called. I'm like gearing or I I don't know what it starts with a G, but basically like, you know, where they're, they're, they're trimming the, the toenails of the, the hoofs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Why would I ever watch that? And I don't know if it's, I'm not an ASMR guy, but it's just like, well, that's fascinating. Oh, he has, he has an abscess. And, oh, oh, the pus. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I watch it. Yeah. And, I, and the algorithm figured out I like that. I don't, I don't get it. 
There's even stuff like sweeping. People film themselves sweeping, and it gets hundreds of thousands of views. It's interesting. Well, we were just talking about that the, uh, before I left the office. Is like a good TikTok strategy would be like not for us because we're in an office, but like say you were some sort of mechanic or a, you had a CNC machine or you had a 3D printer, like throwing up a TikTok live just of the printing thing because people would consume that. Yeah. And the way TikTok rewards uh, viewership is if you're live a lot, they're going to push forward your videos more because you're live and because they want that watch time. Yep. So like, you know, I'm like, should I just put my phone on my desk and go live? You know? Even though that, you ever tried that before? No, I mean, well, I used to when I would do Facebook. I used to be a Facebook live. I was on when at Propelio days. I was on Facebook eight hours a day. Now nowadays, I can't even. I don't even know how to Facebook as. I don't know. They've all their brains have melted. They've destroyed that the UI. I don't know how to use it. Like I, again, somebody who used to live on that site for, for event event promotion and video promotion. I can't even, I don't even know how to do an ad campaign anymore hmm. on there. It's crazy. It's such trash. It's difficult. That's one of the things that's kind of overwhelming for me with social media is you've got these seven or eight, 10 different platforms, and then they're all constantly changing. Yeah. So keeping up with it is, is it's more than a full-time job. It's like several people's full-time jobs to keep up with how to best use each of these different sites and then of all the content that's being created, which content fits best where, and maybe content that I'm saying right now from, from that camera angle is better on this one, but that camera angle is better. It's like, I don't, how do you, how do you keep up with it? It's very difficult. And so what in, do the, you do? in the entrepreneur world, in the small business world, and this is one thing I've had to learn because it was like, oh, yeah, we'll do social media. In the real world, that's like a 2500 to $10,000 a month retainer type thing of managing somebody's social media account. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking about content creation. I'm just talking about the posting of it and the engagement of it and just making sure it's pretty and the look of it and the strategy behind. And I'm talking about like one platform. So as a small business charging like five grand a month to create the content, edit the content, just it media content is insane. Uh, I had a buddy who who uh, reached out to a local company to get an RFP and what's an RFP uh, request for proposal mm -hmm. and um, basically I, he was like I want to do four videos a month on a, a monthly retainer what will that cost me and they're like well just the 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 ideation and the 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 writing of it is going to be about eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a month. Uh, and on top of that, it's going to be the, the, the creation side of it as well. But they're also coming at from more of a commercial side where you're going to have the 50 to 100 people behind the camera make these cool videos. So, again, it, it's that spectrum of where somebody's at. Yeah. Um, I forgot. But we were talking about social media. But, like, again, it's, you get what you pay for. But I personally believe, going back to what I was saying earlier, that there is a race to the bottom where you're going to have younger and younger people saying, I'll do that for you. 500 bucks, thousand bucks. Yeah. You know, and you're like, will you, will you create the content too? Like, yeah, I'll create the content. Um, and I'm in a bunch of forums. I'm sure KP's in as well on, on, um, on, on Facebook where the biggest struggle creatives have is like, what do we charge? What's their going rate? 
And there's retainer packages from like three to ten thousand dollars that are based off of, you know, like oh, it usually averages out to like one TikTok is like a hundred bucks, you know, for to film it and edit it. But that could be a podcast. That could be the uh, like a, a like a real video or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it just it just at the end of the day, it's like what are you getting out of it? Because again, if if you can come to me and and you're like, we have this conversation. I'm like, well, what do you want? And you're like, well, I want. 10 new clients a month. And I say, okay, what does 10 new clients a month mean to you? And you're like, okay, well, 10 new clients to me a month means $500,000. Okay. What would you pay to get the $500,000? And you're like, I would pay $50,000. Okay, cool. Well, if I can get you 10 clients, will you give me 50,000? If people were being rational, they would say yes, but you're like, well, you gotta, you know, so it's, it's that tug and war game. You know, but that, but that circling all the way back, that's the kind of where my mindset is now is, is instead of delivering the thing that you think you want, let's actually get to what are you trying to get? Where are you trying to go? Like what's yeah. the end game? Yeah. Yeah. That's very smart. I like it. Well, it, just to put a, put a cap on that, it goes back to if we're flipping a house, are we flipping a house for us or are we flipping a house for the masses? You know, like the worst thing as a flipper you can do is, is get creative. Yeah. Like eggshell, you know, do what everyone else is doing. Do, yeah, what, do what the comps say. Yep. Do exactly you know, what the don't, comps don't, say. Don't, don't be sexy. Do what the comps say mm-hmm. uh, because you want it to sell because you're, again, you're not the client. The, the masses are the client. Yeah. Totally true. So how do you find, how do you find prosperity in your own life? Oh, Jesus. That's the hard question. You know, it's funny because every Monday meeting with our team, the the first question we ask everybody is like, what's a win for the last week, personal and business? Mm-hmm. And for I, I used to joke and I don't do it anymore because I'm like, I want people to take it seriously. I'm like, I'm still here. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, but in, it's not a good joke if you really think about it. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of truth there, though. It's pretty I mean, what's the chances of us breathing right now? I mean, it's pretty low when you think about well, it. Well, it's it's my joke is more like not today, light pole. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get me. You know, it's a little bit more darker than uh, that. But 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 you're absolutely right. Like, let's look at stats in America. Like, how many companies, small businesses, make it past six months? Yeah. How many make it past a year, two years? So we're at about three and a half years in. So in a lot of ways we've made it, you know, like, Oh, cool. You've got, you know, uh, uh, I think we have eight or 10 employees locally and we've got another 10 in the Philippines. So we've got about 20 people at Harper Belmont, which is insane to me, but that's also incredibly stressful. Cause that means there's 20 people's lives that are dependent on that light switch working. Yep. You know, so it's probably the, more than 20 because they have families and other people. So it's probably more like 40 don't, or 50. Don't, don't, so don't, let's, let's just put the full mantle yeah, of the yeah, weight yeah, on don't, your shoulders. Don't put the there. mantle on. Let's just, uh, <laughs> no, they don't exist. No, but it's, it's, it's the, so there is prosperity. Like I love the, the, the idea of building the thing. I'm like, we're building a thing and, you know, I get a kick out of the random meetings I'm in. Uh, this one thing I've learned lately is like, I'm in so many damn meetings now that it's like, I don't get to do work anymore. Um, I actually just was like, I put on Facebook the other day, but like, I'm, I need a new, I need an assistant. And mm-hmm. I put on there, I'm looking for an 18 to 24 and people are like, Oh, ageist. I'm like, 
no, I just don't want to pay anybody. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm saying 18 to 24 so I can get away with like paying like 12 to $15. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to. You're not looking for that $100,000 a year. I'm not, executive yeah, assistant. I want to be the $100,000 mm-hmm. a year. What are you talking about? No, but it's like, it's, you want to make sure like, Hey, I want somebody who wants to be in this business, but lives at home, mm-hmm. you know, or lives with a loved one or has incredibly low lifestyle. Um, but it's because like, I'm starting to see even in my work, like, things slipping because it's like you know like right now i'm in a podcast which means my emails is piling up when i do do emails there's when i do do email yeah whatever my my phone calls are dropping off and when i'm in phone calls like did i take the notes did i update client board did i update monday.com am i doing the things i need to do so like i just need uh, somebody to help me to like again going back to going from the integrator to mm-hmm. now a visionary where it's, i just don't have the time to do that organization. Um, I forgot the question. Prosperity. We were talking about prosperity, but and what I I'm sh- hearing, it. what I'm hearing is prosperity to you is, is growing things, providing for people and getting to do what you love. It's a better answer than I could ever given. That's what I heard. So I like that. You know, <laughs> that's your talent. Like, Hey, yeah, he's a good guy. Altruism all the way. You know, one thing that uh, I've gotten really good at in doing what we talked about at the very beginning of listening to old ladies for two hours at a time and things. <laughs> yeah. Like I've gotten really good at taking all the information that they give you, distilling it down, and then putting it back to them to make sure I understood correctly. Yes. Because communication is tricky, man. Do you think that's a sales uh, trait or do you think that's just a evolution of doing podcasting? So that's a sales trait for me. Right. I learned that very well in um, in sales and really i got really good at sales through being a mormon missionary that was like oh i'm out that's that was that was a lot <laughs> of, i was in, that I, one i was in france and belgium too where they don't people don't even like god there right like at all and so i and it was in french so there was a there's several levels of difficulty that uh, right. kind of incorporated there to make it really tricky for me so i started learning it there and then where i really kind of honed my skill with sales was Probably like a, there, there's a few really difficult deals that I had to structure where there was four or five different groups and I'm negotiating with all of them at different times and I got to keep them all straight and separate. And so that helped and then never split the difference. The book by Chris Voss, mm-hmm. that kind of helped all of the thoughts and things I'd learned, I put them into actual like, this is what I'm doing without understanding that it was what I was doing. Like things like labeling or mirroring. They're things that I did, but I didn't necessarily have the words to describe the tool I was using. Right. And so it just helped me get my mind around it all. So like it came from, it came really from sales, negotiating that sort of thing. But now that I'm doing podcasting, it's very, it's, there's a lot of crossover there. It's very helpful. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when people like do NLP without even knowing they're doing NLP. Yes. You know? Yeah. You know, linguistic programming and you're like, when, but when you label it, you're like, are you manipulating me? Yeah. And I, so we had a lot of discussions about our is sales manipulation and what is it? And what I've come to find out is say the, the true salesmen, they're not manipulating anybody. They're, they're posing the correct questions to help the person make their way down the path that they want to take. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, or eh, I shouldn't say want to take, they ought to take. Cause there's sometimes there's people who it's like, ah, I don't want to sell my house. I don't want to do this thing but they really need to, you know, like that hoarder you'd mentioned or the cat piss house. Like your house is rough. 
You cannot sell it to anyone else. I'm offering you an out here. And we look at where you're going to go with this out. Your life is going to improve dramatically. Like, let me help you. Yeah. And so there's, when it comes to sales, whether it be manipulation or it's not for me to say it, I do find it entertaining when people like in the wholesaling business, like, I just want to help people. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. Like just, just, that's fine that you are, you give back to community, but if you really wanted to help people, you wouldn't take a $20,000 assignment. You would do a flat fee, $5,000 assignment and move on to the next project. Mm -hmm. And even though you could have got a hundred thousand dollars spread, you, you took your five because you're a good person. You would find that buyer, whatever the highest buyer is willing to pay. You're going to take your five, take your cut, five off of or whatever that number is off of it, and then that's it. That's all. That 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 would be. But it. but but again though, and I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting a massive spread because you're the one that was probably out in the heat in Texas of 120 degrees or whatever it is, throwing out a bandit sign. Having that, uh, taking that buy call, going out on that, um, doing the comps, doing the research, and going on that appointment, taking that little old lady twenty, you know, the hour of the call, doing that for twenty months, and then getting the deal. Yeah, like there's a value there. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to say there's not, but I'm also not here saying, you're, I'm just trying to help people. <laughs> yeah, you know? you're no savior for sure like, as a yeah. wholesaler. That's... So, just what do you think your number one talent is? Like, what do you think that you're like? Oh, this is my genius. Persuasion, in one word, persuading people to do um, what will further my goal, whatever it is. Persuading, but also. I'm hearing master manipulator. Yes, basically. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not manipulating. It's there's it's it's a mix. Persuasion's a mixture of things in my mind. It's uh, there has to be some heart in it. Like right. no one's gonna follow or or be persuaded to follow someone who doesn't have any conviction around what they're doing. So you have there's got to be heart there. Um, you also need a certain level of knowledge. There, there, there's a knowledge aspect because. There needs to be heart, but they also need to know what they're doing. And there also needs to be like a, an expertise or a skill there. And so when you have those things, people can then rally behind them. Like not, not to get political at all, but someone who's a master at that is Trump. Oh, yeah. Trump is, I mean, he, he's, he's persuading people to follow him. And when you look at the cult following he has... It's impressive. I mean, not not saying anyone needs to feel a certain way about him, right. but what he was able to do in 2016 was impressive. The the problem about Trump, and I heard uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy say this the other day on uh, uh, the All In podcast, mm-hmm. um, is the problem with Trump is he makes 30 percent of our country like psychotic. They lose their minds. They lose Absolutely. their mind. And they have no ability to just rationally think right, wrong, doesn't matter. Because if you took the blowhard aspect out of it, out of the question, and you just looked at the, if you were like, okay, the state of the country in 16 to 2020 versus 20 to 23, which one do you want? I think the vast, vast majority, if they could separate that from him, would say 16 to 20. Absolutely. Like 90%. Probably. Like if you look at immigration, you look at homelessness, you look at all these other factors. And again, you take out yeah. the personality, you take out the, the controversies. But even the controversies, you could argue, 
are just a reflection of the personality and and again some people say it's a wish hunt some people say it's verified but they've been after him since 2016 about russia collusion yeah it's doesn't look like there's a there there mm-hmm. and then there it just you know lawsuit 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 I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an investigator. And I actually don't even follow it enough to actually have a a really valid opinion. But anecdotally in my life, hey, 16 to 20 looking around, it seemed a little bit more prosperous. Yeah. There was uh, more hope, I would say. And that's, again, 30% of the country losing their damn minds. Absolutely cannot get past it. And I get that. And I'm not promoting him at all. I'm simply saying like, that was that was an uh, ability that he had, and I'm not saying I'm not like him or anything, but that ability to persuade and right. to get someone behind a cause, I would say that's uh, that's. Have what you I feel like have I'm really you met many uh, politicians? No, I haven't. It's insane. Tell their, me about it. Their back to persuasion, their ability just to be likable one on one. So I've heard I've never met Trump, but what I've heard about Trump. The reason he has such a hold on people is like he can be in a room and he maintains that eye contact. Most people, even in this interview, like, or, yeah. you know, we, we're looking around, we're searching for the next thing to say, but boom, you're the only person that exists in this moment in time in this, inter- in this conversation. So people, they gravitate to that, but he also remembers you. He, he brings in things about you. So there's aspects of going, oh, he he is genuinely interested in me. Yeah. So there's people that hate him, but walk away going, you know, he's not that bad. There's you know? a book that I read about charisma. And one of the examples they use, there's a couple examples that I remember from the book and I wish I could remember the name. I'll put it in the show notes. Kevin asked me after, um, but the two examples of people in that book that he gives one is Bill Clinton. And mm-hmm. the ability is exactly what you just articulated. Like, yeah. When people met him, they just felt like they were the most important person in the world to him, even though he didn't know them from anybody, and he was the president. Yeah. But they were number one, and that ability, um, I don't have that. And the reality is they probably had, like, the Devil Wears Prada, somebody whispering in his ear Mm -hmm. who that person was, but it doesn't matter. No. You know, uh, like, Greg Abbott, like, like him, dislike him. If you meet him, he's a likable guy. Yeah, I'd vote for him for president. Mm Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz, same thing. It's like, you know what? He makes my skin crawl. So over here, uh, but you meet him in person. You're like, man, he's a really likable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, funny, funny uh, story about uh, Senator Cruz. We had an event that um, down in Austin and he was speaking at. And my sports coat that I wear uh, was basically the same coat he was wearing. Mm-hmm. And one of one of my team members was like, man, did y'all coordinate? And he overheard it, and he, and he, without missing a beat, was like, yeah, we, we called each other in the morning. And it, it it's just genuine and funny, and, and, yeah. and, and you're like, it's hard not to like a guy like that. That brings a tremendous amount of humanity to some of these people that feel like almost godlike. You know, when you see them on TV and these personas, they're so far away and so untouchable. But then when he does something like that, it just brings this huge human element. It's just... Because the the life I'm in right now where you do meet, sometimes you meet political candidates, whether it be high or low, and you see people that are in it and they have that charisma. And then you meet somebody who's running for something and you're like, you're not winning shit, bud. <laughs> Just because like you're like you're a doornail, you're a whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I've I've met, um, uh, there's a couple of people I've met. Well, not a couple. There's one guy I've met who was a former presidential candidate. And I used to joke that he's like, I am a robot. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, 
he'll even though I am I agree with a lot of stuff you say. You have zero charisma. Nobody likes. Mm -hmm. It's not nobody likes you. It's just you're not. There's not a a component of persuasion. Yeah. Um, Last time I saw him, he is getting better though. I won't. I won't name drop nothing, but I'll tell you after. Yeah. The other interesting person from the charisma book is Marilyn Monroe. Oh God. And it was interesting because they're like the way they described it. It's like at one point she's this just person sitting on the metro. And she's got like a coat on or whatever. She pulls that coat off. She takes her hat back and flips yeah. her hair back. It's like and then aura. she's Marilyn Monroe. Right. And it's like she's this iconic goddess. And it's it's like she could turn it on and turn it off. And um, I'll have to put the name of the book in there. But it's like it's really interesting. Who, who do you think is that in 2023? Man, the person that I'm the, sincerely the most drawn to of everyone I've been looking at, like, I like JFK Jr. in like what he's saying and RFK. Yeah, that guy. RF, that yeah, one's dead. Yeah, that one's dead. Uh, RFK Jr. I like what he says. It's just really hard to listen to him. His voice is yeah. very difficult to listen it's to. Be a huge and that, that's hurdle. a huge hurdle for him. But if I'm being honest, the person I like the most is um, Vivek. Vivek. Yeah. yeah, like listening to him. And then I found out more about his history and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's just very impressive. Yeah. I also like that he's a year older than me. Yeah. Instead of ancient. Like, it's very difficult for me to relate in any way, shape, or form to Biden. It's He's ancient. He's just, he's so old. It's like, bro, this, I feel like he should be in a in an old folks home, not running a country. Before before Vivek was uh, um, out there, like, my, my dream ticket would have been, like, uh, DeSantis and Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. But mm-hmm. I... DeSantis has been quiet. I haven't heard anything about him for the last seemingly year. Yeah. Uh, and Vivek has been out there. Um, now I'm like, I would love to see a Vivek. Tulsi. I still like Tulsi Gabbard. Me too. I like, I like her a lot. And, and I know she is former Democrat. I think she's more independent now, but I would love to see her on a Republican ticket. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that to me, th- I think the the old whites need to get out of the out of the room, you know, take the bibles, take the religion and just yes, keep the morals, but let's let's not make let's let's go back to financial, economic and and uh foreign policy Absolutely. politics. Yes. And and yes, there's some morals that in in yes, there's some political things like we haven't even touched the liberal craziness that's happening in our country right now which I don't think we can touch because no. that's like another 10 hours worth of just bitching. And we're two white dudes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't, you know, no opinion here. You know, yeah. No, no. Yeah, I forgot I'm, about that. I mean, I'm not going to speak about it, but uh, overall, um, I've heard some interesting stuff too about um, you know, with the controversy around Trump and the fact that Biden's planning to run again, I've heard talk and whispers of potential uh, – a Trump RFK ticket potentially, which I think could be interesting. Um, they're two very, uh, those know. two candidates could actually it potentially pull something it off. It goes but. back to the fact that 30% of the country, and I'm stealing from Vivek, lose their yeah. damn minds. It does. It really and it's does. like, I would much rather have a candidate. I would much rather vote for, uh, not Biden, but I would much rather vote for a candidate that I don't necessarily fully like over a candidate that I are more like if it means that we can get a little bit return to normalcy. Cause I don't think Biden won because it's Biden. I think Biden won because of, Hey, it's a return to normalcy. The problem is we didn't get that. No. All we got was double down on insanity. It's mm-hmm. just the opposite end of insanity. Yep. Um, the fact that you've got Bill Maher, which most of my life has been 
super far left liberal is now a moderate libertarian. Yeah. And he's like, I haven't moved. I'm still where I'm at. Y'all went back shit crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I hear but, you know, that's that that's a whole other topic. But, you know, back to media. No, uh, it ultimately, it's, you know, the con- consistency. But I don't know. I'm just trying to circle back away from politics because. Yeah. You know, no, two white dudes let's, talking about. Let's uh, let's turn. Bo- let's so, get another old white in the office. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, it's time to it's time to shift some gears. But yeah. so. Prosperity, we've talked about. This whole podcast is built around like, how do we find prosperity in our lives? Part of that's money. And you've done that from uh, like from Propelio and what you're doing now. Right. It's going. So what are the other things you do in your life to find prosperity outside of work? What are the other things that? I, I honestly need to do better about that. Like to me, I'm all in on work. I'm still in that startup phase, even though we're three and a half uh, years in. Um, even on the side stuff, I it still has a, um, a work angle. Uh, like I just became a member at the Cowboys club at the Frisco star, um, which in, I'm like, I'm doing this for work. You know, if you get one client out of it, it pays for it. But ultimately you're doing it because you, a lifestyle, you want to go hang out with, with successful people and you want to have cool stories and you meet cool people. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of that, but I'm also in my head, I'm doing it because of work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm also very aware that I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm, I'm still out of shape. I probably need to start working out a little bit better, eating healthier. And, uh, you know what? The, the train to happiness with family is, is on the, you know, express, express bound out of the station. So I probably should get on that too. Um, so the, you're not married. Kids? I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I don't date. I don't flirt. I'm not on any apps. Hmm. So, uh, ladies, sup? <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, it's just, I'm all, I'm in all in startup work mode and I know that's not healthy, but you know, I was talking to one of my mentors about it a while back and it's just like, who says that you need to have a work life balance? Some people work is the balance like in having mm-hmm. your entire life centered around work. Who says that's unhealthy? Who says that's a bad thing? You know? Because, again, the people that say that are people trying to sell a book or sell uh, some sort of mentorship or, you know, sell a yoga retreat. Yeah. So for me, like my work life balance is work, work, work. I don't I don't mind going to the office like take Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast has this like what? Fifty hundred thousand square foot building. And inside his building, his soundstage, he has an apartment. So he lives where he works. And here's a guy that turned down $2 billion for his, uh, his empire. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, right? Because th- I feel like this has kind of been a period of questioning. Like one of the things that I heard questioned not too long ago is this thing I grew up and kind of always believed, but it's breakfast is the most important meal of the day, right? Yeah, but like, who sold that bill of goods? Kellogg's. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. who sold it back in, and is, it, in as a child – and all and the that's way the power of media yeah, on all right back. there. And yeah. yeah, that and you go, there's the, that example. There's De Beers. Yeah, the rings. The rings. They should be two to three months of your salary. That's how much it should cost for an engagement ring. And that's just the ring, like getting married. Whew. Before, but before that, was there ever an engagement ring? Yeah, there were. But they were they were just emeralds or rubies. Or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Jewels that, yeah, that are the, not diamonds. Yeah, the power of, of media, the power of branding. 
it's insane when you really think about it. Really, it has like, shaped I mean, our culture. If you talk about the uh, the Kennedys, I mean, everybody knows this, but like the JFK versus Nixon debate. Nixon is famous for not wanting to wear makeup on TV because that's I'm not wearing makeup. JFK is like, lather me up, baby. Mm-hmm. JFK looks young, vibrant, healthy, and alive. Nixon looks like he's a zombie. Who got elected? Yeah. You know? Can't argue with that. So in that, I mean, it's just power of perception. Mm-hmm. You know, so I again going back to like Biden, I don't I don't see how I don't understand how people think he's he's going to be a candidate. It's got to be the emperor's news clothes types of thing. But again, I think it goes back to people are insane when it comes to politics. At the moment, it's uh, we've definitely kind of traveled down a rabbit hole. And I feel like that all started about 10 years ago, 2012 ish, 2013, somewhere around there. It kind of. People, not not that it's Obama's fault. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just I saying. Will. <laughs> I'm just saying that during that time is where I noticed kind of a, a shift, and the shift has just continued to. How do I say this? A gulf began, and the gulf has continued to widen since then. So, here's the thing. In my opinion, people in 2000 2008 had the ability to dislike. Or even hate President Bush, but they still loved the country. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they hate Trump and they hate the country. They like Biden, but they hate the country. And that's one of the things I like about Vivek is his call to nationalism. You know, the problem is people think nationalism, they think Nazism, they think, oh, because there's Nazis starts with the word national. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Just it's a totally different thing. That's fascism, and that's actually socialism. Um, I, I don't know the, the, the off the top of my head, but you know, it's okay to be patriotic. It's okay to wave the flag. It's okay yeah. to love America and stand for the flag and and support the troops and all those other things. At the same time, it's also okay to recognize that probably the biggest threat to our country is the industrial uh, military complex, just like Eisenhower said. Probably so. You can have a lot of competing opinions, and I think the problem that most people have is their inability to have a disagreement. Yeah. Like, you know what? I don't think you should wear hats in buildings. That doesn't mean I don't like you. Mm-hmm. It's like you move on, whatever. You, there, there's, I so actually have no problem with hats in buildings. One, just, one, one thing I would say to anybody who hates America, especially if you're American, is go live somewhere else for a while. And I, I don't mean that in a get the F out of the country kind of a way. Mm-hmm. I've just lived in other countries. I've spent a lot of time. I lived in Belgium and France for oh, two nice. years yeah. as a missionary. And then I also lived there again uh, after that. And um, I've spent a lot of time outside the country. And I also lived in Hawaii, which is part of the country, but sort of isn't at the same time. Right. So it's, 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 it's as close to out of America as you can get and still be in America. And it's it's very different. And you you will, if you leave America for a while... It's very hard not to have some uh, American pride come out in you because you realize that this really is a great country and we have some freedoms that you're never going to experience anywhere else. And uh, some of those freedoms have been... Some of the freedoms aren't... uh, You aren't as free as you used to be here in some ways. And you might find some freedom, feel more free in some other places, but you don't have some of the rights that you have here. And when you leave and you go see how that is, like, for example... Uh, 
I also have a lot of friends that have traveled. You go to Thailand and you say anything bad about the king in Thailand, you risk going to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can hold you in other places for longer than 24 hours if you do something wrong. If you drink and drive and it's illegal in that country, they could hold you for weeks without any charges. So there, there's some really fundamental freedoms and, and rights that we have here that you might not appreciate until you don't have them anymore. And uh, I've noticed when I'm out of the country for a, a, a good amount of time, like more than a month or so, mm. you start to miss some of the things that you have here. If we have a few more minutes, I'd love to go down this, this little yeah, go ahead. path. Because I've lived in Dubai and I've lived in uh, um, uh, Qatar. Uh-huh. And I could speak to this. I could talk to this for a while. And the thing is, though, people that complain about America, they're like, oh, yes, you could live somewhere else. But it's not that they they've never been out of the country. Yeah. You know, I think at the time, 10 years ago, less than 25% of the country even had passports. And out of that, only like 8% had actually been out of the country. And I don't know what the stats are now, and I could just be making those numbers up. But the beauty about 2023, nobody's going to look this up anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but in, 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 in Dubai, like, one, there's no crime, which is great. I love that there's no crime. So there's a lot of positives to living over there. If you have a family, it's great because you have a lot of time with your family and they're, they're genuinely safe. At the same time, there's like modern day slavery. You know, that's what people fail to really think about is the amount of slaves that were in the world in 1860s is less than the amount of slaves that are in the world right now. Yeah. People don't want to talk about that. No. All they want to talk about is being a victim in the United States mm-hmm. and how America, United States is bad. I'm not condoning slavery. Slavery is a horrible thing, but you got to grow past it and move past. None of us were slaves. None of us were slave owners. Let's get past it. Mm-hmm. That being said, there's actual slavery happening right now. In Dubai, it's not really necessarily slavery, but it's more like indentured servitude. Because mm-hmm. um, what happens is, and this allegedly, no, no shake, come after me, is if I'm a big company and I need a thousand workers to build my 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 project, I'm not going to Nepal. I'm not going to Thai, or, uh, India or, or China. I'm going to a recruiter. Hey, I need a thousand people, and I will give you X dollars to get those thousand people. And you're like, cool. What's the wage you're going to pay them? It's Y. Cool. They're, then you're going to turn, not you, but the company's going to turn around and go to Nepal and they're going to find those workers. And they're like, hey, your wage is this, but we want a 50% commission for, for giving you a job. Mm-hmm. So they're double dipping on this side and that side. What, they're like, you know what? We need the money. We're so broke. They bring them to the, the uh, Dubai, Qatar. What's the first thing they do when they get off the boat or get off the plane? They confiscate their passports. Like make sure they get their money back. Well, but no, well they get their passport. Basically. So now they can't leave. Yeah. They're done. They're stuck. And they're working six days a week, 12 hour days. Uh, another, and this is, this is all like anecdotal. It's not, not provable or anything in Dubai. They have a thing called a black flag day where if it's over 50 degrees Celsius, which is freaking hot, you're not allowed to work outside. And then the shake will fly around in a helicopter and nobody working. Problem is when I lived there, the temperature never, ever, ever got past the national temperature, which is run by the state government, never got past 49 degrees. You get in your car and again, a car plus or minus 10 degrees, whatever it would say 61 degrees Celsius. Now 
61 degrees, say it's 50 degrees Celsius, it's still like 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. That's too hot to be outside. But anyway, that's just one of the stupid things out there. It's really freaking hot. But 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 going back to like uh, uh, in America, yes, we have problems. Yes, we have crime. Yes, we have all these things. But we don't have is state function disappearing. Um, I think in Argentina... Uh, I think it was Argentina, like when, and this is like 20, 30, 50, I don't know, many years ago, like disappear got turned into like, uh, um, like an adjective or I don't, I'm not an English major, but like an adverb mm-hmm. where it's like to be disappeared. Yeah. You know, that's not a American trait. That's not an American thing, but like, you know, going back to you know, Taiwan and you're like, you just get disappeared or something. Uh, same thing in, in Dubai. Like one of the jokes was like, I would tell new friends that like, Hey, if, a if a local invites you to go to the desert, don't go. <laughs> They'll disappear you. <laughs> we, not all the time. Yeah. You just don't know. So it's like, you know, but if you did get disappeared, nobody's coming after you. No. Um, flip side of that, and this is my favorite story of living in the Middle East. I once got in a road raid incident with a land cruiser in Qatar. And we're doing the doing this thing. And then he gets out, and then he T-bones in front, so I had to stop. He gets out of the car, full-on, like, police garb. Like, and they're, you know, they look like they're military uniform police. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to jail. I'm getting deported. I'm never, I'm, I'm getting executed or something. He comes up, and he's, you know, he's yapping and yelling at me in a foreign language, and, and he sees white guy, blue passport, gets back in his car and runs away. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. Reason being is in Qatar, you have a large American base, and if without that base, they're afraid Saudi Arabia will take them over. Makes sense. So they don't want to risk any kind of conflict with Americans because they want to maintain that American base there so they can ma- maintain their sovereignty, uh, from not Saudi against, Arabia. but yeah. from uh, Saudi Arabia. Makes a lot of sense. But again, the power of the blue passport. Yeah. Another quick story that I love about the Middle East, about being an American with a passport. I could set off every single metal detector on every single flight ever in there. Oh, go ahead. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Big old I, white dude with a pla- blue passport? Yeah. The minute I get in America, it's like a 30-minute security check because I have Middle Eastern uh, stamps on yeah. my passport. Mm-hmm. But, uh but anyway, back to, to people not liking the United States, it's like like you said, go somewhere else where you see state function, not function, um, institutional racism, institutional measures that keep people down. Yeah. Like like all those laborers, they don't they can't get better jobs. They can't do crazy things. You know? Yeah. Like but as a as a local or as an American, you get a pass because you're an American. It's it like we America's in a bubble, for sure. Once you leave the country and you realize the bubble that we're in... Nobody likes us? What? (laughs) No, there's countries that love us. Like, there's certain places where I go where everyone just loves that I'm American. They think it's the coolest thing. They love the money. Yeah, they. but they. it's not just the money. It's the... It's like when I'm in countries where men are smaller. Like, I'm I'm not the biggest guy. I'm six feet tall, 200 pounds. Yeah. Normal size, American dude. Same. And and the... um, but like everyone there is like, oh, you look like Captain America and yeah, stuff because yeah, you're yeah. so big compared to the average dude. There's five five right. and a buck twenty, and it's like you just kind of and so there. There's more. So it's it's the money, it's the the size, the strength, it's all. It's this American dream ambiance that 
we as Americans carry with us places. So they, they love it. But then when you see the conditions that they end up living in and working in and, and what they go through and, and how different it is, it's like, oh, wow, you really appreciate how blessed we are in America. At the same time, there's some really cool things about other countries that, oh, absolutely. that, that I really love, like how in Colombia, you know, you can go into these like shacks and they're, it's a shack, but it's on the side of a cliff where there's huge waterfalls, this beautiful jungle, and it's just gorgeous where they live. But the circumstances in which they live, there's, you know, no power, no running water. It's, it's totally third world, but there's something, there's something sad about that. There's also something cool about that, you know, and there, there's both sides where they get, they get a more natural life, which right. is cool. But then, you know, when you're sick and you don't have hot water to be sanitary, that, that sucks too. So it's just different. And we have a lot of amazing things here in America. And some of those things could do get exploited by people who want to do bad things and what yeah. like that that's going to happen everywhere though. And the exploitation and corruption I see in other places is always more than it is here. It's always I, worse. I think, I think the biggest pandemic America has right now is the glorification of being a victim. Oh yeah. It's like crazy. if we can drop that and be like, you know what? I'm overweight, not because I'm a victim. It's because I don't have discipline when it comes to food and I don't work out. Mm-hmm. It's on me. Like, everything, I'm single, not because women are blah, 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 blah. It's because I don't make an effort to go out and, yeah. and do that. I don't do this because it's, it's self-ownership, you know, like. 100%. Own, if I'm late to a meeting, it's because I didn't leave early enough. It's not because there was a traffic out. It's the whole extreme ownership, Jocko, yeah. Wilnick, or whatever. And I think if we had more of that, we could we could be more prosperous as a country and a society. Totally. Um, because at the end of the day, that's, I mean, the only person we can, one can control is themselves. You can't control anyone else and you can't control everything that happens in your life, but you can always control how you react. And people don't value that enough anymore. Like there's extreme value in that. Like, like going back to Jocko, one of the, there's a, I don't know if it's a quote, but and no I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but it's Just basically, say it's, your quote. it's basically like, he's like, um, got in the boat and has a hole in it and you're sinking. Good. You're going to get a good swim in. You, (laughs) you, you got, you know, you got cut from the team. Good. More time to practice. Mission got shut down. Good. You get more time to prepare for the next one. Like no matter what happens, reaction is good. You lost your house in a fire. Good. Go camping. Dude. Funny story about that. So 2019 Dallas, Texas tornado came through, right? Destroyed my house. Yeah. Abs. Like me and my family tucked in a bathroom. My wife thought she was literally going to die. Right. That's not the funny part. Um, the funny part is like... Yeah, I was ev- waiting for that. <laughs> Where's the funny? Everyone thinks like, you know, my house got destroyed. That's terrible. But it ended up being, it sincerely was good. Like insurance paid out super well. They took great care of us. My house went from being a Preston Hollow 1950s ranch with freaking like rat, rat infested electrical. Not that I live in a rat infested house. I know. But it was I just, know. it was the electrical, plumbing... HVAC it was all terrible, right. but I had a Preston Hollow home. Tornado wiped it out. We rebuilt. I have a brand new, much larger, much nicer home with brand new electrical, plumbing, HVAC. Found it like it was a huge blessing for us because it was all stuff we we're it gonna tornado have. proof. It's very not tornado proof, but so I still have learn, great insurance. So you didn't learn your lesson. No, the lesson is insurance will pay. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's kind of funny because we do think like your house gets destroyed by a tornado and you're like this is terrible. Well, it wasn't. 
it was good. And it just takes some time usually to find the good in the bad things that happen. But we want to f- forget looking for the good and just be a victim. It, and that, it's, it's a stupid half glass full versus yeah. empty. And it's like, it's so right. It's mm-hmm. like, because even if it's 90% empty, if if you had a, a glass of the quarter inch of water, whatever oh, the analogy is, but it's in the, and you're in the desert, guess what? That, that water is going to be awesome. Yeah. Did you miss a meeting? Yeah. I forgot <laughs> I have a 130, uh, 130 meeting. It's well, 1.45. That's a way to end it. That's a great way to end it. It's been fantastic talking yeah, yeah. to you. Um, I really enjoyed the talk about media. Yeah. I'm, um, I've learned a lot. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. I'd like to thank everybody for joining the Pursuit of Prosperity podcast today. And uh, until next time. Perfect. Ryan Harper. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, Ryan S. Harper, Harper Belmont. Um, I'm, I'm easy to find. You know, great. I'm on the internet. We'll link your website, Instagram, and uh, other information in the show notes. Again, Ryan Harper, thanks for coming. Perfect. Thank you.